I have to go to a different committee and then I will come back and ask my questions. Thank you very much. Okay, well, thank you again. It's, uh, it's kind of nice to be back in the old chair seat for the Indian Affairs from a few years ago. Um, so let's um, go ahead and move into the uh, uh, members' questions. So I want to thank our witnesses again for your testimony and, of course, for your time and travel. So let's move into member questions. I will uh, I'll bypass myself for now. Let, let's go ahead and go to our ranking member for her five minutes. Well, thank you uh, so very much uh, for both the written testimony that we had uh, all read, but also for emphasizing, I think, some of the very key areas. Uh, uh, and, and perhaps I'm going to start about the issue that have been raised by NAFOA, which is a national organization in nature, but I do know that you, you, you work on trying to keep uh, all of the different tribal interests uh, in, in play. Uh, and I wanted to actually touch a bit on some of the issues that you raised that I think we need to go back and look at getting the guidance out and it, are there are there things that we need to do at a congressional level and it might not be in this committee the great thing about this committee um, Specker, is we have oversight we cannot legislate but we sure can raise issues with the other federal agencies including the need for a tribal task force with all of the different agencies, bringing the kind of expertise they have in their unique areas. And this administration has done that a lot. They really, they keep calling it the whole of government approach. And you know, I don't know if I'm crazy about the tagline they use, but the idea of pooling what is necessary from each of those areas to get these projects going. Uh, I think that there is a concern I have about, there's two levels of expertise that we need. We need the expertise at the, federal level, the agency level, in order to address uh, how do you actually go about issuing a lease since we have so many different, you know, is it a, under MDAR, is it an old lease, a new lease, et cetera. But also we need to make sure that there is expertise available to the tribe for them, right? And that, and that could be a funding issue that we need to do. So uh, uh, Mr. Lovesey, can you uh, tell a little bit tell us a little bit more because I want to get this money out right we need to get this money out we need to get you using it so I, I think you said it in your written good you could tell us the two things that you want us to do and it might not be this committee so you, we can get to we can get the tribes the money they need to do these projects that America needs uh First of all, I, I would like to thank you, ma'am, because last year you were very instrumental in uh, NAFOA being in front of the House Energy Committee and testifying on LPO. Uh, does, the, the two things that I would recommend is first, we need to sit down and figure out what can we do to create a positive business atmosphere for a tribe so that companies or any outside group isn't looking at the negatives of working with a tribal government, but they're looking at the positives. And I would imagine it's very frustrating for all the members sometimes to do something like direct pay or like LPO changes and have, still have not have enough projects going forward. 
and people like myself saying, well, what can we do next, uh, instead of thanking you for what you did. But it needs to be kind of a whole effort looking at it, rather than just a little bit here, a little bit there. What can we do to really create a, a positive situation overall? And then secondly, I would say again, and it's not a very you know, exciting thing, but staffing is so important because we need to get people in the tribes who represent the tribe's interest instead of having just a consultant come in and say, this is what needs to be built. We need people who are in the tribes that understand energy from front to back. Yeah, and because and we have a little bit of time, I'm going to say, in some ways, I'm going to, and you know, that the way, the way CERT played a particular role like that, because they might not always needed to be in the tribe, because the tribe might not always have, except for some tribes, uh, a, a continuous development, but then the, that ability of a trusted agency back in those days uh, uh, of a certain namesake. Um, we are talking a bit about um, uh, when people go to Southern Ute, they know they are dealing with a tribe incredibly versed in, in the business world and incredibly successful. But Chairman, I was also struck by, in your testimony, how important it was for you to make sure you controlled the protection of the environment and the cultural resources. Can you share with us a, a bit about, give us a quick example of that? And then I did want to get to this question about on staffing, what would a shutdown look like? So if you could you know, perhaps be quick and I'm, then I'm going to do a maybe yes or no round. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Ms. Fernandez. Well, I think you know, it really starts with our past leaders, their visions. Um, you know, how they went, how they moved forward and how we're always going to protect the land and the cultural resources and everything, but what can we do better tomorrow for our people? So again, it's, as today's council sit, as I sit as a chairman, it's still maintaining that, um, that consistency of we are going to protect that land at all, uh, at all costs. You know, we have our, like say, our, our water quality, um, air quality. Um, our, we have our own standards that surpass the state of Colorado's. You know, so everything that comes through, we're always about cultural resources, protecting the land, taking care of our elders, our children, just everything. Um, I, I, I mention it as it's like the past leaders are building a house, and they built that foundation, and it's up to us today to finish that house, doing it in the right way, but utilizing their expertise that started this whole process. Well, thank you very much, Dan. One out of time. If the shutdown will impact your tribe, will you raise your hand? I've, I've run out of time, so I'll do it this way. If, the, if a shutdown would negatively impact the tribe or the tribes you serve, will you raise your hand? Thank you. And in the back. Uh, thank you. Generally, yields back. I'll recognize Mr. Carl. Five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, okay, Chairman. <laughs> you want to be Speaker? We'll get you in line. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that job on either side of the aisle. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. I think we did a really good job. Yeah. You know, to to the to the Indian Nation, I, 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 I may not be the right person on this committee because I don't understand why, as a nation, you have to come and ask for permission from the federal government to do something with your own land because we the federal government are the ones that put you on that land to start with. I think you should have the ability to determine your own future. I grew up around two Creek Indians, and, I, and Mr. Pruitt was one of them, and I can't remember the second one's name. One of them did not have electricity and did not have water in his home by choice. 
Now that may seem odd to some people in this room, but he was, he was linked to his native roots. I learned a lot from that man. Another man was a trapper who come down from, from, from Michigan and he taught me how to trap. We trapped hundreds and hundreds of beavers. And I learned from that man. And he had some very peculiar ways versus my ways, but I learned from that man. But he was where he wanted to be in that moment, in that time. I don't understand why we as a federal government think that we're so high and mighty that we can tell a nation, Indian nation, period, what they can do or what they cannot do. It frustrates me because the tribes that I work with and the Navajos I've been getting very close to lately, they are more than capable of running their own businesses and doing their own things. So I would encourage you to start pushing back on the federal government. You've got the power and the powers in the votes. You don't get what you want from up here. You look at, including me, you look at the person, the people that are unwilling to work for you and get them out of office. Get people on this committee that want to work with you. And you're talking about needing information from the Department of Defense. Uh, Department of Energy, there's no reason why you shouldn't have that information. That's your land, taxpayers' money paid for that information, and that information should be yours. I don't understand why we can't. Oh, we're so important. We've got to build all this bureaucracy around it. We've got to have another meeting to have another meeting to have another meeting. This is like serving on a board of a Southern Baptist Convention. I'm telling you, it's all about more meetings. It's not that complicated. Turn me loose. What other group of people in America has to live by the rules that you have to live by. Tell me. I'm telling you, it is a modern day term of slavery. And we need to start calling it what it is and quit being nice about it. And, and I got that off my chest. And I have found out I do have Indian roots. My tribe has long been gone, but it's okay. I still have Indian roots. I still got a little fire in, my, in, in, in myself. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Chairman Baker, from your testimony, it's obvious that the Ute Indian tribe has benefited from long-term planning and forward thinking about our development and, and about how to develop, excuse me, and use your resources. Can you discuss how the tribe goes about making these big decisions and how these decisions may have been impacted by the federal barriers? Okay, yes. Um, you know, we have a department of, of the tribe that's uh, called the Growth Fund, and within that we have our energy department. We have some very, uh, we have within the Growth Fund, the um, energy department, we have some very, very knowledgeable people. I mean, I know, um, you know, we, we hire them to do a good job. They've done an awesome job. They, they really push, and the way it works is whenever they come up about uh, an acquisition or a deal they want to move forward on, we have in the middle what's called the Growth Fund Management Committee, so it goes to the next level. It has to have their approval before it can come to Tribal Council for final approval. And at that meeting, we will discuss or we can question that committee, that group, anything we want before we make a final approval. And, you know, it's got to be in the best interest, and I just praise our teams for, you know, we've been so successful, and they do a diligent, awesome job for us. You Thank know. you. Thank you. I want you to understand there's good and bad in, in, in all cultures and in, in all races, and it, it, it's good and bad. I've been exposed to nothing but good in the Indian community, tribal community. Please take advantage. Use me. I can be a voice. But we have to be one voice. 
We have to be one voice to be heard. So get together, figure out how you can use me, or I'll get out of the way if that's the case. But thank you. Thank you for your patience with the federal government, because I don't think you need the federal government. With that, I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Carl. Um, and colleagues, if um, you wish, looks like we might have a little time to do a second round of questions since our panel is, or may not. We may well, not. Yeah. Who's, who's, got, who's got the gavel? <laughs> 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 I just got elevated to speaker a while ago, so, you know, but um, anyway, but something we can consider perhaps. So I'll uh, go ahead and recognize myself for five minutes as uh, hopefully our chair gets back from the other committee in, in a moment as well. So um, I'm pleased to be able to uh, represent uh, far northern California where we have uh, many, many tribes represented there and uh, the issues are, are common with uh, uh, being remote areas, energy, minerals, timber, other resource development is uh, the best option for tribes and everyone else in, 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 a, in a district in an area like that. So when uh, we take in the testimony from witnesses, I, I note that there are many similar similarities between the complications and the roadblocks that uh, uh, the tribe site and along with uh, what everybody else in my district sites as well too with uh, rural governments run into that. And um, this roadblock after roadblock, you have uh, common themes such as uh, a process of approval that extends for years without even a clear end in sight, uh, regulations that require their own special training to even remotely understand them, uh, phrases and carve-outs which are nonsensical to the average person and left completely undefined by our federal agencies. So um, we need to address these problems because the, the great harm it's going to put on Indian country and, and rural America in general without ability to economically develop except maybe tourism, right? So uh, tourism's great, but we have to actually produce wealth that comes from the land. I'm a farmer in my real life, so I, I get that as well. So um, let me uh, toss the question. Uh, Mr. Baker, um, uh, Congress tried to improve the tribal energy development agreements in 2017. We took a shot at it, but it really hasn't worked out to be as fruitful as we'd hoped. So you're pursuing a resource agreement under these new rules and regs uh, that were finally put in place in 2019. So what difficulties have you faced already? What difficulties would smaller tribes with uh, fewer economic resources face than what, what you have available? Well, I, you know, I think of what you mentioned, you know, uh, the setbacks, you know, the things that we can't work together, but today's a new world. Today's a new day. I, I'm thankful that they're working with us and trying to move forward. I mean, there's I think every tribe it's different, the setbacks, you know, the things that we can or cannot do. But I just, you know, can't praise enough in all of my testimonies that, again, here we are together with our leaders here, um, with you, and, you know, working together to be a better tomorrow. Uh, enough is enough. I think it's long overdue, and we have to all work together to do a better job. And as I mentioned, you know, every tribe is different, so they all have their own challenges. Certainly, and uh, some have better ability to roll with the punches on that than others, but none of me, nobody should have to as, uh, oh, thank you. As, as uh, Mr. Carl was passionately talking about, why do you even have to be here to begin with if you're an autonomous, uh, federally recognized government? That's uh, very frustrating for all of us. So 
uh, let's see, where, where was I at as I made the jump? Um, uh, for Mr. Baker and Ms. Becker, both, both of your tribes have been successful in developing some amount of energy or mineral resources, but uh, in your experience across the board, what are the barriers that separate tribes that can develop their own resources in, on their own land and those who can't? What, what do you find is the, the, the differences between tribes that have had success and not? Uh, let me go to Ms. Ms. Becker, give you a chance first, then we'll come to Mr. Baker. Thank you for the question. So as Mr. Lovesey said, it's, it's essentially an unequal playing field because of the permitting that we need to go through with the federal government. Even when we take over land leasing, which the Navajo Nation has done, and we can issue our own land leases, there are sub-elements where we still have to go back to the federal government and get their approval. So I'm gonna point out one example because it, it touches on the whole spectrum of energy. And that is we're struggling right now with getting tr tree cutting permits from, and I, I see your reaction, Mr. Carl. So um, we're, we're struggling with that. I was just told by our Navajo Tribal Utility Authority that is using Thank you, Congress, some of the American Rescue Plan Act funding to get electricity to people who would like electricity. And they've hit a log jam in getting a tree cutting permit out of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. That's an, one example of how even after we take over leasing, we still have to go back to the federal government. Uh, indeed, one, uh, let me, I'm running out of time here. I appreciate that comment because in my own district, um, the town of Paradise, which 90% of it burned in what was known as the campfire, 85 lives lost. Five years later, they're still trying to remove dead trees and get permitting and get a NEPA and all this and all that. They removed some of the hazardous trees already, thankfully, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And I want to, <clears throat> Mr. DeSotel from Colville, I, I, I heard you too, okay, with, uh, with what you're dealing with, because we have many, many six-digit or large, I had a seven-digit, one-million-acre fire two years ago known as the uh, Dixie Fire. And um, it boils down to federal land is not being managed in a way that makes for a good neighbor, you know. What we see, what you were saying, good results happen on, on <coughs> excuse me, managed lands, even when they're adjacent to unmanaged ones, because we saw that in uh, Paradise where wildfire hit a managed area the fire knocked right down. I hear you. We're going to keep after it. I'll yield back, Madam Chair. I didn't have such a tough gavel when I ran it. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm tough on people. Um, you know, what so many have you have described is really, oh, I recognize myself for my five minutes of questions. Thank you. Um, what you have described is I think the epitome of the old adage that the government is always trying to, to fix its last solution. And I really do look forward to working with you to find better solutions that actually meet the needs of the tribes rather than mere, merely giving lip service to what it is that you need. The heavy hand of the federal government is just simply unacceptable. And the fact that it can take this amount of time for you to get the permits or the approvals that you need is just simply, again, I'm gonna use the word unacceptable. Also, Ms. Becker, you indicated that perhaps you were going to raise issues that were a little bit uncomfortable. 
If we don't have uncomfortable discussions, we're not going to have any discussions at all. If our agencies are failing our tribes at addressing these energy issues that are not only critical to you but critical to the United States of America, then we are failing everybody. I want to thank you for what you do in Wyoming, for what your tribe does in Wyoming. You guys are a fabulous neighbor, a, a fabulous producer. We appreciate uh, how you operate, and we appreciate what every one of you are trying to do in terms of improving the situation for your tribal members. Uh, Mr. Baker, uh, the, the Terra concept seemed to hold a lot of promise for those tribes like the Southern Ute that want more control over resource decisions on your own lands. However, no tribe has yet submitted one to the Department of the Interior for approval. And can you elaborate on your testimony a little bit and discuss more about the inherent federal function issue that has affected your tribe's decision on whether to submit a Terra and why it is important to solve it? Okay, well, again, you know, as we mentioned, no, no tribe has entered to that. I think our tribe has been asking for clarification for many, maybe years, many years on that. And it does make an impact how we're going to move forward. But again, it just appears that, you know, they, we want to, the terror regulations or whatever, it's like saying we're going to play a game, but the government's not telling us the rules of the game. Why do we want to waste uh, time and money? We've already done that in the past where we uh, put a lot of uh, our staff ahead to try to get ahead of this and it, it really boiled down to nothing. So for us, it was a loss of funding. And I think we have to move cautiously how we're gonna do things and we have held back on some of that because again, we don't know the rules. You know, we just don't, we're, we're not working together. I feel that the, you know, um, the federal government's not doing their part. I mean, it's, it should be a simple answer. It should be a simple question. And again, as we sit here today, that's what we're all here for as leaders, to talk. How can we see a better tomorrow? How can we work together? And, and you, you all know the challenges of every tribe is different. So, you know, help us get through it, you know. And, and with that, I believe our own tribes, um, they work with each other. You know, they, how did you do that? How did you do this? You know, they meet at certain meetings. They talk about these issues, the challenges. But it just seems like for years, nothing has ever come out of it, you know. And that's why they're really being cautious on not moving forward. And I take it that you're seeking clarification from federal agencies, but that, fair, that clarification has not been forthcoming. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that I'm going to challenge the four of you, and I'm going to ask you to do something for us. I would like you to put together the checklist or the information or the documentation of what you believe our agencies should be doing. You bring that to us, and then let's see if we can solve it from your standpoint. Because if these agencies are not moving forward with the projects, or you're not able to move forward with the projects, because the agencies are neither clarifying or nor responding nor dealing with the individual situations that every single one of your tribes have, or any other tribe around this country, then we need to solve it from the ground up. Coming to Washington, D.C. and saying uh, that the, the, the Department of Interior or the Secretary of Interior has, is not giving us the information. We know that, and that's the frustration that we have. I want your help in knowing what I need to ask the Secretary of Interior to do. Tell us how to make these programs better, and we will try to fix them. This should never be a top-down approach. We need to come to you and say, how do we go about making sure that we do get the permits that we need to be able to remove the trees? Why in the world would it take years to do that? That is an absolute absurdity, and it kind of demonstrates how broken this place can be, but it's also why I have worked as hard as I have to try to return on 
autonomy to the tribes, because you're the ones who can make the better decisions that are going to be in the best interest of your members, and you're actually going to be able to succeed to accomplish something. So help us help you. I am all ears. I will work with you. Mr. Baker, what is your yes, response? Um, and I would like to say, you know, the Sudden Ute Tribe would like to work with the committee to address the issue to bring clarity and certainty to the Terra idea. Again, you know, it's um, you mentioned how can we help you help us, you know, and that's one of our philosophies, even working with the local BIA. You know, there's a lot of things we cannot get done, and we've got to the point where we're asking the BIA, how can we help you help us? You know, we got to work together. We're, as a tribe, reaching out because we need things, we need things to move along, but you're not doing it. We always get the uh, excuses of they don't have the professionalism. Well, the tribes do, we do but you're holding us back. You know, how can you help us help us? And again, just indicating that the tribe would be willing to work with, you know, how we can uh, bring certainty to the Terra. So I have a lot more questions I wanted to ask you, and I kind of got on my soapbox, but I'm going to tell you, I'm two floors above here. You come here and you come and talk to my staff and we'll sit down and we need to make that list. We need to have an idea of where to go because I don't have the answers, but you do. So help us fix this. And with that, I will call on our chairman, Mr. Westerman, for his five minutes of questioning. Not sure I want to follow that. <laughs> uh, thank you to the witnesses for being here today. This is uh, an issue or an area that is very important to, um, to my role as chairman of the committee and to the uh, outlook that uh, we're leading, trying to lead the whole resources committee and especially uh, this subcommittee, and I want to commend the subchair or subcommittee chair, uh, Representative Hageman, for the excellent work that she's doing in putting together hearings like this on tribal sovereignty. And I've told folks, you know, when we talk about tribal sovereignty, it's not just talk, we want to see action. And the reason you all have been selected for this panel or invited to be here today is because you come from an area where it, uh, I would say, a lot less talk and a lot more action, you're getting things done, uh, whether it's in resource management or finance or, or whatever area you work in. And I, I had the good privilege to be out and visit the Colville tribe last year and uh, traveled around and looked at some of the great work that's being done there. And I thought this needs to be replicated, but also was a little frustrated because of the boundaries and barriers that were being put in place by people far away from the Colville tribe. And I saw so much more potential. And uh, I, Mr. Desutel, I know that um, you all are working on an agreement for a planned biochar facility in, in Kettle Falls, which is a beautiful place, by the way. But can you further expand on how new biochar and or biomass projects can benefit the management of tribal forest. Sure. So I, I think when you look at tribes across the West, many of them have leaned on timber as a source of revenue to support their tribal government for decades. But there's not been a place for those non-merchantable forest products. And now we recognize that not only are those a source of revenue, but they're a source of fuel that's fueled wildfires that have damaged Indian country for the last couple decades in particular. So if we can find a way to utilize those materials in a cost-efficient way or potentially even a way that generates some additional revenue for the tribe, that would be a huge opportunity for the tribe to improve management and resilience on their own lands. But with the authorities Congress has given us over the last few years with the tribe's ability to work with its partner and federal agencies, we can do that work not only on our land but on adjacent federal land too. So I think there's great opportunity if you can develop the infrastructure and the markets 
that make good use of those non-commercial forest products that right now are going up in flames, contributing to global warming and burning down communities. And how, how could a, <clears throat> a reauthorized tribal biomass project specifically help development at Kettle Falls? So when we look at the development of a project like that, the infrastructure costs are huge. So financing for that uh, is, a, is something that's going to take probably two or three years to work through, and I'm sure the payback timeline is going to be a couple decades. So you have to have a supply commitment that matches the payback timeline of that facility. So when you're looking at roughly 20 years to, for a facility like that to pay for itself, you've got to ensure that you've got supply for that over that time. You've seen mills close over the last couple decades because of that, and many of them never reopened because they just couldn't secure the financing they needed because historically a lot of that wood came from federal forests, and there's just no confidence that that will happen in the future. But if you can enter into these long-term supply agreements, there's some confidence by the banking industry that those loans will be paid, that those facilities will operate. And if we have that authority, the problem is that we had five years to do it. That's a pretty short timeline to put together projects that are in the neighborhood of 50 to $100 million to build, and the capacity and contracting capacity that you need to add is substantially bigger, and it takes time to do that. So I think if we have a reauthorization, hopefully it's for a longer period of time, and hopefully permanent at some point. I hope the intent of the pilot project was just to test its concept, and in the long term, it would just be a tool we put in our toolbox. And you talked about, and when we were out, we saw some of the tracks that that you all had managed, done a phenomenal job, and I guess it was that, that fire in 2015 um, that had uh, firefighters tied up on unmanaged federal forest. So not only did the failure to manage the adjacent federal forest uh, result in that forest being destroyed, it took resources away from fighting the fire on land that you all had, had done a good job of managing. and. You're exactly right. If you, if we can use this biomass to make energy, it's good for the forest. It's good for the economy. It's good for um, the environment and uh, a, a whole host of benefits that you get from that. But understand the complexities of trying to build a project that can be millions and millions of dollars, and not having any certainty. And Mr. Losey, I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to talk about, or <laughs> seconds, I guess, how, uh, how important is it from a financial standpoint when somebody comes in to do a project to have the certainty that you're going to have the resource to be able to do that project? I mean, certainty is everything when it, when it comes to a project. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we're still in the process of figuring out what partnerships can be done. Uh, there's even issues right now with what the IRS can provide as far as guidance uh, when doing some of the, the projects and some of these partnerships. We've been trying to work with Treasury on that, but I know that they've even said they need to come back and, and talk with, with Congress about the authorization to even be able to answer tribes' questions, because right now there's nowhere tribes can go when it comes to, to being able to get some of these questions answered. Uh, as far as being able to work with what partnerships and what financing options they have available, especially for something like direct pay credits. Uh, there's no way they can go on the federal government side. So it's, it's everything. I mean, you, you can't do an energy project if you don't know where your financing is going to come from or what it's going to look like five, six years down the road, and unfortunately, we're just not there. Madam Chair, I, I would just add that if we could just clear the way so they could do what they do best, 
and take the barriers away. Uh, they're so far ahead of our federal land managers in, in so many places that I've traveled around the country and visited that we're missing a huge opportunity uh, by not empowering our tribal partners to do more of what they do best. And I'm way out of time, so I yield back. But Mr. Chairman, I want to thank you for being here today and joining us on what I think is one of the more important panels that we've had, uh, the a future of energy production our, and our tribal autonomy and the future of your communities is really at stake with some of the things we're talking about today. I thank the witnesses for your valuable testimony and the members for their questioning. The members of the committee may have some additional questions for the witnesses and we will ask you to respond to those in writing. Under committee rule three, members of the committee must submit such questions to the committee clerk by 5 p.m. on Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. The hearing record will be held open for 10 business days for these responses. If there is no further business, without objection, the committee stands adjourned. <laughs>